What's up, guys? Welcome back to the West Vi Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Disruptive Adventism. Disruptive Adventism is a platform that encourages people to contribute to the changing of the fabric of Adventism through conversation, collaboration, and content creation. If you want to join in, head over to disruptiveadventism.org. No longer this thing of, yeah, when I do worship, I do it for them, but I can be a mess, you know? Um, But as long as I'm being selfless, that's cool. Now I understood man, I can be so free in this thing to where when I sing worship, I sing from a place of confidence to where it's like, I believe what I'm singing. Not because I'm hoping that it's going to happen one day, but because it's where I stand now. And now I can I can be selfless from a position of being confident in who I am. Like, so it just changed the game completely, man. It was awesome. So as far as worship goes, that's where the big difference came in performing versus actually believing this thing. So guys, welcome back to another episode. Glad you're tuning in today. Um, wanted to start out real quick before we get to the guest and give a little life update. Don't know if any of you really care about what's going on with me, but uh, thought I'd share it anyway. So I am going to be a dad soon, a couple weeks now. Um, that's probably the biggest news. Um, so really excited about that. Lauren and I are, uh, my wife's name is Lauren. I don't know if I've ever told you that on the podcast. Anyway, uh, yeah, Lauren and I are expecting, uh, our little baby boy to be here anytime now. And, uh, so we're real super pumped about that. And then we've also just accepted a call to pastor in Oklahoma. So we're going to be moving this summer to Oklahoma. Elk City, actually, pastoring in uh, Weatherford, Elk City, in Altus, Oklahoma. So big changes on the horizon, and I think that I think that that's probably going to shift the podcast just a little bit. Um, the faith component's always been a big component, and I've tried to balance that. Uh, you know, when I started this podcast, I was kind of going in a direction that I thought was leading away from pastoral ministry, which is where I thought I was going for a long time. And it didn't seem like that was really going to work out. And so I started shifting my focus and the first few episodes, probably the first five or six, I tried to kind of balance that out. And I'm still going to try to bring in leadership ideas from outside of just a strictly Christian faith perspective. But now that I'm going into pastoral ministry, um, that's going to shift my focus. It's going to shift the circles that I travel in. And so it's probably going to be a little bit harder to keep pushing out away from that explicit Adventist or Christian um, leadership perspective. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, just fair warning, I know that not everyone who listens to the show is uh, an Adventist or a Christian. And I just want to be transparent and say the the, f- the focus of the show is probably going to be moving just a little bit. That's just the nature of the host. <laughs> um, you know, this really is, uh, honestly, this show has been hugely impactful for me and formulating my ideas and my perspectives. And so um, it's really helped me a lot develop as a leader just in the short time that I've been doing it. And I'm hoping that it's going to continue to to do that. So 
um, yeah, just wanted to share that a little bit, uh, where we're headed, what's going on with me and, and how that's going to impact the show. Uh, but we're going to keep trying to do it the same way we've been doing it and bring in good leadership ideas that aren't just explicitly about pastoring, but about leading in general from a faith perspective. So, and still working in the creativity, got some really neat interviews coming up, uh, for people that are creatives. And so still going to have that in there because that's just for me really interesting. And I want to be a more creative person. So adding that in there. So that's where we're at. That's the state of the podcast. We're 13 episodes in now. So that's where we're at. Today's guest is Christian Apricio. I don't think I said his last name right, but that's how I'm going to say it. Cause I think if I try to say it the right way, I'm going to sound like an idiot. You may remember back on the very first episode, I was talking with the pastoral staff of the Arlington Seventh-day Adventist Church, and they mentioned this guy named Christian like a couple of times in different uh, things that they were talking about. I didn't know Christian at the time, and then I recorded that interview in November of 2018, and then in January... I was sitting in my church here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, um, at the Love Reality Tour. You might remember Jonathan Leonardo from a few episodes back. And he introduced his worship leader, Christian, and mentioned that he was from Texas. And so I jumped on Facebook, got to looking, and realized that this was the exact same Christian that they had been talking about. So I was like, definitely got to talk to this guy. So we did. So today's episode is definitely more of a creative uh, focused episode, but also from the perspective of how do you lead others into worship and kind of the work that has to be done internally to do that appropriately. So Christian was super open, super honest. I think that that this is just a a really great conversation that you're going to get a lot out of. So I'm going to turn it over to the conversation, let Christian run away with it talk to you on the other side. Twenty-three years old. Um kinda an urban kid. Grew up in the city. Uh born and raised in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I was from from a single parent home. Um grew up with my grandparents in Mexico during the summers and then uh, during the normal year I was with my mom and um, so that kind of played a big role in what I did on my free time. Um, Grew up with uncles who listened to a lot of urban music and who were really big into the sneakerhead culture. Um, So yeah, I think, uh, you know, that's a little bit about kind of what shaped me. Uh, I'm this urban kid from the city who loves culture. Um, and I grew up in a in a Christian home. So um, my grandfather being Adventist um, converted my grandma, who was Catholic. Um, and then kind of all their children followed in their footsteps. And all my aunts, all my uncles, Adventists. And... Uh, and yeah, so I was born into that kind of, kind of thing. What's it? I think that a lot of times people draw this distinction because 
I don't know, I think in Adventism especially, it's more of a rural kind of you know belief mm-hmm. system. Like everything's kind of centered in get out of the cities, go live in the country, um, and it lends itself to that. What was what was it like growing up Adventist, but being in this urban culture? Was there tension in that for you? And and how do you you know what maybe did you recognize um, growing up in that, and how urban culture fits in with your beliefs? Yeah, it um you know to be honest with you, there was never really any tension as far as when it comes to the idea of um getting away from the city um you know i grew up in a church in the heart of dallas so which church was that at dallas first church okay <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and uh so adventist church has been there for a long time so all the hispanic churches that we have now in in dallas uh originated through the gym in that one church and so yeah the the city being a big part of kind of the Adventist world in Dallas right now was a huge thing. So as far as uh, what the city brought to the table um, was a lot of um, a lot of outreach opportunities for the Adventist church in Dallas. Um, So yeah, I don't think I ever grew up with this negative correlation to the city and, uh, and Adventism. It was more like, Hey, they go hand in hand, and uh, we have a special, unique purpose in the city um, because of our location, you know. And I think growing up, it just added to who I was. It was kind of like, um, almost like this thing that I cherished, you know. I have a lot of friends from New York that really cherish being New Yorkers, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's this thing of like, hey, I'm from the city, um, and Adventism. Um, in the city is a totally different beast than what it is in in other places, you know. But um, I, at the end of the day, you know, I'm a Christian, so it's like my Christianity, uh, if anything, is um, it, it becomes much more powerful when I choose to embrace where I come from, uh, because it allows me to use my background to further um kind of use my testimony if that makes sense yeah 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 that's a struggle you know when i um and i grew up in the church but i left left the church for a decade and when i came back i was just at this place in my life where i felt like i don't know why i went there so quickly but i went to this place where I had to leave, right? Mm-hmm. So I immediately moved out of Dallas, Fort Worth, grew up in Dallas, and <clears throat> we can talk about New Yorkers, but you know, I'd rather be from Texas <laughs> any day. Uh, you know, grew up in Dallas, Fort Worth, and then immediately left. And it was interesting, I don't know, four or five, six years later, like, you know, cut off cut off ties with all of my friends. Uh-huh. Felt like that was what I was supposed to do. <clears throat> four or five years later reconnected with you know a couple of them that I'd kind of kept loose contact with and got to talking to them about their experience of me leaving you know me having this religious experience deciding to take my life in a different direction and kind of their thoughts about that and I found it interesting that they they felt like they had lost me as a friend because 
I had made this change in my life and that change in my life had made me abandon them. Mm. And I think that that's <clears throat> something that we really need to pay attention to. Um, it's like you were saying, like being from the city, being in, in that setting gives you a particularly special opportunity, right? If you don't just completely yeah. dissociate yourself from your past life and there's that tension, I think a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I'm a new person I have to be. I have to go live a different type of life. Mm-hmm. But if we do that, then we leave all those people behind. And then who's going to witness to those people if we just pick up and move out? Yeah. And and so, you know, I had to go through the work of, once I realized that, trying to reestablish some of those relationships. Some of them I have, some of them I haven't. Um, but I regret that. That's a big regret for me mm-hmm. that I picked up and just pulled out on all my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think, you know, that's you know um in a weird way that's what happens to a lot of like so i have a lot of friends who were in uh theology with me you know and uh so just for the context of the people who are hearing this um i'm studying theology right and still in the process of finishing my degree but um what you hear a lot is people who begin to study theology just because they feel as if their encounter with christ um requires that for them to actually establish that change if that Mm, makes sense mm -hmm. um and so you know um at at the heart of it you know whenever christ does touch you you know it's if anything it's this thing of like what happened to paul where he was this dude who before he was a christian he was out there like killing christians because it was at the core of what he believed and he was like i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do it to the fullest all right this is part of my personality like i'm gonna do it because um yeah man like he was determined but christ took that and flipped it and now he's doing the same thing but he's making christians yeah you know so uh (laughs) it's kind of funny but um yeah man a lot of times people think that they have to abandon everything in order to make sure that the change is established. But man, everything that has been a part of who you are and your, and your past, like that, you know, you hear this all the time. God wants to use those things to make the change um, and to make change in others, you know, Mm -hmm. don't know if all that made sense, but yeah, no, you know, I think, you know, I can identify with that too. Cause you know, we were talking yesterday you know, kind of about this, like I came into this, you know, when I came in, I came in, you know, hot and heavy back into the church, um, really connected, really felt passionate that the Lord had put a calling on my life. And I didn't understand that God has put a calling on everyone's life. Mm -hmm. Like I was not unique that God had put a powerful calling on my life, but because um, only certain types of callings are validated in, in an esteemed way, it made it seemed to me that I had to go pursue this this particular type of calling and ministry, active full time ministry. And so now I've spent ten years, and now I'm at this place where it doesn't seem like maybe that's even mm-hmm. been what it was, right? So I, you know, <laughs> I get that that you feel like when you have this powerful experience, you turn around, and you feel like, oh man, I've got to go study theology, I've got to go, yeah. you know, into ministry, I got to do this full time because look what God has called me to do. And I wonder how many people 
God really was just trying to get their attention to be a powerful witness where they were yeah. doing what they were already doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we walk away from the ministry that God was, was calling us to have yeah, man. because we misinterpret what calling means. Like that's that's what I'm working through in my life right now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I get that. <laughs> so... <clears throat> So in terms of kind of what you do uh, right now, engaged in ministry, what are some of the things that you're involved in? So back home, back in Texas, because we're currently in Idaho, right? Mm-hmm. Um, back in Texas, um, I serve as a student pastor at the Arlington Church. What is that? What does um, that mean? I've, I've heard you say that, and I have some ideas, but tell me what that. Yeah, means. so there's a youth pastor, right? And he's basically the one in charge of all the youth, um, but what that looks like is what early, early freshmen through um, first year college students, right? So that's the group that he's in charge of. And then I serve as the student pastor, which basically, um, I basically have all the rules except of dealing with the politics, <laughs> if, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I, could, I get to pretty much do um, what any normal pastor would do. Um, but you know when it comes to um dealing with the board meetings and dealing with um yeah I, now that i'm thinking about it, just the heavy stuff right yeah. and and even then i deal with it at at some level but um you know when it comes to like the backlash that we might get from people or from parents or whatnot um, you know, he takes the hit. Yeah, and that's Danny, right? Yeah, that's yeah, Danny. So Danny Danny was on our first episode. Uh, Shouts to Danny. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you listen to our first episode, you will have heard Christian's name several times in that episode. So um, just to connect those dots for everybody that's cool. listening. Um, so, yeah, so you just get to kind of be involved with students in, a, in like a pastoral care yeah. type situation. Okay. What does that, what does that look like? So on a regular week, what that looks like is um, literally, man, reaching out to them um, on a basis of friendship, you know. So it could be that on Monday um, I'm at work, but on my lunch break, I reach out to one of the kids and I'm like, hey, dude, let's go get some lunch. Um, You know, if they're seniors or whatever, and they don't have to be in school for that, you know. Um, or after school and then one of the kids wants to play basketball, I'm like, yeah, let's go do it. Um, or during the week, you know, one of the kids texts me and said, Hey, um, can I talk to you? Yeah, sure, man. And they give me, uh, you know, this long text paragraph about, you know, what's been going on. And, and uh, I have the privilege to be in that position, you know, to be in a position to where my, my words and what I say bring some sort of, um, uh, comfort and um, how do you say counsel to them you know so that's what that looks like on that level but you know on the weekend it's like um, I prepare the worship services um, when it comes to music you know so I make sure people are scheduled ready to go um, run rehearsals on Fridays we kind of spend the whole day with them on Fridays and uh so sometimes I speak on Saturdays. Um, sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's Danny. So we kind of share on and off. And, um, and this is for the underground? And this is for the underground. Yeah. Okay. So this is just high school students. Right. Um, 
but yeah, man, that's kind of what it looks like. Um, so every week is literally full of uh, ministry. And so, I, you know, another difference that um, Danny brings up all the time, he's like, man, it just sucks that I get paid for what you guys do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, um, but it is what it is, man. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, <clears throat> and so then you travel with the Love Reality Tour and yeah. lead worship with the Love Reality Tour. Um, <clears throat> so, talking about you know leading worship uh something that was mentioned uh here while the love reality tour was going on here was that kind of you've had this experience where your interaction with leading worship has changed mm-hmm. um from maybe in times past being more centered on your performance to um leading others in worship yeah um, maybe break that down. Like what, what would you say is the difference? Cause I know a lot of people, especially when people are talking about modern worship or whatever. And I don't, mm-hmm. I think that gets a bad rap. I've seen a lot of people, you know, you can't judge people's hearts, but you can perform a hymn just the same way as you can perform a oh, praise yeah. song. <clears throat> what's the difference? What's, what's the difference between performing? And I would say, what's the difference between leading songs and leading worship? So that's like th- three levels, but you can kind of take that however you want. No, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think the huge difference is um, believing, <laughs> like straight up. So, you know, the the big change that kind of took place in me was, I mean, I grew up in the church, right? So I grew up singing these songs. I grew up knowing all these songs. Um, at the age of 15, 14, I guess when I was in eighth grade, uh, when I first met Danny, actually, um, I started leading worship at my school. Um, And so what I had learned through Danny uh, was this aspect of you lead through an honest heart. So what you sing, you don't just sing to sing. You sing it because you're you're claiming what the words are saying, right? And I had learned that at an early age. Um, But to be honest with you, up until... A few months ago, when when this you know this difference happened, there it was this difference between understanding that I was free, like this. I'm I'm trying to find a way to phrase it, like knowing I'm free, but then like knowing knowing i'm free yeah, so you're talking about that in like relation to the gospel right? like, like yeah. understanding the lip service right yeah. like whoever believes on him is free but but then coming into that living experience of yeah. like i actually it's transformed my life because i've realized the gospel is the yeah gospel. because you know and i think there's a word that my, my father uses all the time i forgive if it's a greek word i think it's a greek word but it's called epinosis taurus like you know, know, like, you know, that, you know, that, you know, you know, um, but yeah, man, before it was this thing of, I can get on stage and I can sing a song and it can be from the heart and I can mean it. Right. But the experience that I'm having on stage determines my spirituality. Like that's, that's how I felt. So if I felt really like, if I felt tingling sensations and like in the service and you know everybody was singing then that said something to the experience that said something to the 
oh yeah okay we're we're doing good mm -hmm. like I'm spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> you know what and I mean? And if everybody wasn't singing, was it the opposite? And if everybody wasn't singing and I couldn't feel it, it was like, God, help me feel it. Right? I remember literally this one time, and this kind of this kind of changed the game as well. You know, I think it's a growing, it's a growing process for me as far as the the little that I've been taught um until I receive the freedom i guess but um so yeah i'm in i'm in a pathfinder campery for those who don't know what pathfinders are it's kind of like a boy scouts type of thing and we're leading worship for four thousand kids and um it's me danny um danny's brother and a few other people we're leading worship and we're singing open the eyes of my heart one of the simplest songs ever right and i'm sitting there like playing and I'm like God. I don't. I don't feel this song. Like, I don't know what it means to my life. Like, I don't want to just play it to play it. Like, I want to feel something. I want to know what it means. And rather than giving me a feeling, God gives me something visual. And I look out to the front and I see a blind girl. Um, like literally, I I do. I say the prayer and then right after, I see a blind girl on the front. And she's like raising her hands and she's shouting at the top of her lungs, like, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. You know, when I think about the lyrics, it's like, to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power and love. And this blind girl singing that. And to me, that moment was, was a, a game changer because it was like, this is why I do it. Like, yeah, like, I don't do it for me. <laughs> You know what I mean? And and this is where my mentality was a few years ago. It, you know, I, I came to the realization a few years ago that I don't do it for me. I do it for them, you know. But there was, but even after that, you know, I think I understood this concept of like, yeah, I don't do it for me. I do it for them. But I still had this concept of like, I'm not me, myself. I can be, I can be a mess but as long as I do it for them, it's good. So there's this sense of like not being free because I can be on stage doing it all for them, but I'm still lost, man. Like, if that makes sense. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Just kind of, just kind of wrecked by who you know you are. Yeah. The other, the rest of the week. Right. And then you get up on stage, like almost like it's fake. Yeah. Kind of the feeling. It's this yeah. thing of like, Hey, you know, God can use a sinner like me. Yeah. But yeah, man. And then it was, it was my first reality, my first love reality tour that changed the game for me. So, um, uh, it was like what summer, this summer, this past summer. Yeah. How'd you get connected with that? Um, so kind of the same thing. I had met Jonathan when I was about 15 years old in, uh, in Arizona. So because I was doing worship for an Arizona thing, and he was a speaker. Uh, but I also met the youth director of the Hawaii conference at that time too, Eric Vandenberg. And then, um, so what happened is that um, just this past year, I got a phone call from Eric and he said, hey man, we need a worship leader for such and such event. Are you down to come? So I was like, yeah, man, I'm down. 
little did I know the event was going to change my life. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so little did I know that, you know, it had changed Jonathan's life and that this game was, a, this thing was a game changer. So before I even go out there, they're like, hey, one of our guys is going to call you. He's going to kind of run through kind of what we're all about. And I was like, all right, cool. So I started talking to, to, to one of the guys who's a big part of the team. And uh, he's like, yeah, man. So one of the big things that we'd like to do is um, be super particular about what we sing. I was like, well, yeah, I get it. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you want to sing songs that, you know, that go hand in hand with your theme. Like, that makes sense. He's like, no, but what we sing matters he's like so for example you've heard that song that goes um you give and take away you give and take away he's like you hear that song all the time he's like but one thing that we kind of don't want to claim is that we have a god that gives and takes away the blessing he's like because that's not the god we believe in and i was just like dang i never really thought about that Right. So I'm thinking about that. And, I'm, and so it was stuff like that. Right. And I get there and um, I meet Jonathan. And anyways, that's how we got connected. Right. But I guess now going into what changed the perspective was, man, um, that that whole week, just hearing things about freedom from sin, hearing things about how we are righteous now. And how we are holy now, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Christ has done, right? And um, hearing it was like, oh man, this is so good. Like, like, but I, it, I, I can't seem to wrap my head around it, right? And so me and Jonathan go hiking one day. It's not just me and him; it's the whole group. But we're ahead of them. And um, he's like, so. So how's this stuff, you know, hitting you, man? And I'm like, dude, I, I receive it. I believe it. Like, I want it. And he's like, so what is it that's keeping you from believing it? And I'm like, well, my sin. And so he keeps pressing me to be like, to call it for what it is, right? He's just call it for what it is. So long story short, you know, um, it goes from me saying lust and, and getting deeper and deeper and deeper into what that is, right? And I don't have to get deep into the podcast but you know what i mean whenever i say that and and so as i call these things for what it is he's like that's not who you are man this is not who you are um and i remember him praying a prayer of just that my heart would be a heart of repentance um and i get back home and i remember just me hearing a song like Who You Say I Am by Hillsong changed the game forever. Because now it was no longer this thing of, yeah, when I do worship, I do it for them, but I can be a mess, you know? Um, but as long as I'm being selfless, that's cool. Now I understood, man, I can be so free in this thing to where when I sing worship, I sing from a place of confidence. To where it's like, I believe what I'm singing. Not because I'm hoping that it's going to happen one day, but because it's where I stand now. And now I can I can be selfless from a position of being confident in who I am. Like, so it just changed the game completely, man. It was awesome. So as far as worship goes, that's where the big difference came um, in performing versus 
actually believe in this thing. Because before I can be a wreck and perform for the sake of other people, you know, and it can be, it could be the best worship service ever, but I'd get off that stage and my heart was still in the wrong place. But now it's like, I don't even want to get on stage without, without being confident that day that my salvation is, is settled that, you know, that my heart before the father has been made right, you know, and, um, yeah, man, now when I get on that stage, there's nothing but confidence and, and joy. Yeah. You know, even, even when I don't feel it, you know, even when I feel like crap yeah, and I'm on that <laughs> stage, like, man, my voice is not getting it today, right. you know, but it's like, who cares? Yeah. You know, um, and there's a big difference in that, right? When you start to really dig into gospel understanding and you recognize that, that you may not be feeling it, but that you can still have confidence. Like you can still say, man, I feel this way. Like I feel like such a terrible, horrible sinner, mm-hmm. right? Cause you know, maybe, maybe things are, are, you know, your flesh is fighting back and, and you're, you're not doing what you think you should be doing and you're just feeling down but you can still have that confidence, right? To know like, okay, that's happening, but this is who I am, right? I am, I am the righteousness of Christ because he says yeah. I am. Well, it's, it's, for me, it's more like this thing, like, like me being a sinner doesn't even cross my mind anymore. I kind of like what Jonathan was telling you yesterday. Like, that's just a real thing. But the feelings that do come is this feeling of uh, maybe not being, um, as spiritual as I think I am. So it's this idea of me being on stage and I don't feel the goosebumps. I don't feel the rush of, you know, uh, of like sweat running down and I like, it's a great performance. Like I might not feel that or there's people around me and I see them crying and I might not be crying. But there's a voice that tries to say, Oh, see, you're not crying like they're crying. So it, it, this must not be real to you. Or a sensation of like, well, you're not feeling goosebumps like so-and-so says they feel goosebumps. Or like you used to feel goosebumps. So you must not be right because there's a moment where you felt right and you had the goosebumps, right? This is just These are just examples, right? Yeah. But in those moments is where I can be like, man, bump on that because I don't live by that stuff. I, like I'm confident, like you know what I mean. Like I'm I'm set. I'm solid. Like I I know where I am, and I don't sing so I can feel something. You know how I feel doesn't determine my spirituality. It's what the Word of God says that determines where I stand. And so, yeah, I can be I can be in an old church, old people singing hymns, or young people singing hymns if they want to. You know, and. uh and I can worship, man. You know, I can be in a room full of forty thousand people singing songs of the hill song, and I can worship. You know, so now my experience isn't determined by the circumstance or the surrounding, if that makes sense. Now my worship is determined by what the Father says about me, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so I've seen, I saw this picture on Facebook it was really, really powerful for me. I mm-hmm. grew up in the Arlington church, grew up, uh, in 
uh, Burton Academy. Um, and it was a picture of uh, Michael M. Wickham and, uh, cool. <laughs> and Allison uh, doing some sort of picture wall and putting a picture of their mom up who had passed away. Uh-huh. And I don't know what it was for, but it oh, was really okay. it was really powerful for me I actually, to see I recorded that, that. Yeah, that picture. Um, I had to save it. You know, like I, I'm not super close with them, but I knew them. Yeah. And just in the context of that, like there was just a, it was really a powerful image for me mm-hmm. uh, to see them, um, you know, reflecting back on their mom and in the context of of church having that moment where this art project is brought in as part of the church experience. Yeah. <clears throat> when you think about creativity, right? Like it seems like like singing's good, music is good, but other art forms are kind of left out of the worship experience. What are some ways that you've seen other forms of creativity in your experience there uh, come in and add benefit to the worship experience. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'll start with that. Uh, what you're talking about that. So, I remember Allison came up to me and she said, "Hey, uh, we want to do this project." Um, well, she didn't really say project. She says, "We have this idea. We want to have this moment to where we do a video and we have people holding photos of their loved ones that have passed away. Maybe like a you know a recording." I was like, "Well, why don't we do something like this?" And so, it was this idea of I love graffiti. So I love the idea of having like stuff on a wall, <laughs> like if that makes sense. But you should have seen what joy and what peace it brought to families in the room where, where it was happening, right? Um, there was moments of silence where people were um, facing that, that wall where they were going to put the picture. And... uh and we had placed words uh, over the photos like hope um, or joy and or certain verses that they wanted on there. And I remember them looking at the photos and just some of them would cry. Some of them would uh, just be really thankful for the opportunity to do it. Um, but to think that putting photos on a wall can do that to somebody um, to where they see multiple people doing it. And so as they're doing it, they feel like they're a part of a bigger community. Um, It was just really cool, man. Um, And that probably took them somewhere where a worship song could probably never take them. Um, Or a sermon could never take them. You know, it was was this moment to where they were, it was really honest, um, down to earth, you know. Um, So... Yeah, dude. I so yeah, like I love graffiti. I love photography. Um I think photography is another big one that man can take you places that music probably never could or a sermon probably never could. Um this idea of like um different themes and different um thoughts captured into a moment that has endless interpretations you know so um i think what's awesome is that you know you think of the idea of god being a creative which i think people forget a lot of times but 
man, when you think about being creative, God's like the ultimate <laughs> dude, you know? Right. So he's this dude that imagines things and brings it to life. And um, a part of a part of us being creatives is is that, you know? Mm, yeah. um, well, being in the image of God, right? If God, yeah. by nature, is the creator, then being creative is an expression of the image of God in us. Yeah. And, man, that's, yeah, we shouldn't miss that as much as we do. <laughs> yeah, man. And and I think we limit it, like, to things like you said, you know, songs are good, but what about such and such? You know, I think we limit it to mediums. You know, we, we limit it to photography, to video, to dancing, to, you know, but, man, there's there's creativity in in imagination itself. Um, now I'm getting really weird, right? But no, like I remember one day, um, I'm at the beach and I'm doing some alone time with God and I'm looking out at the ocean and I see a bird looking at the ocean and he's just kind of like bouncing there at the shore, like jumping in the water and then it's like too much for him. So he gets out. Right. And he's doing this over and over again. And God's just speaking to me like, man, I just want you to be like that bird that like the moment he jumps into the water, he's lost forever. But that's, that's my love for you. Like I used to relate the ocean roar and the ocean waves as like this thing that comes over your life. And when the oceans happen and when the waves come, let me cry out to God. But in that moment, God was saying, no, like my love is like the ocean and the waves are how I, crash over you and how i overtake you and the moment that you choose to get lost in that it's endless there's no coming back from it and um and just to think that my imagination can take me to that place i was like oh man yeah it's awesome dude yeah that's you know you think about imagination and sometimes people get Act like it's a boogeyman, right? Like you can't trust your imagination because it's going to take you off some down some place you shouldn't go, mm-hmm. right? But that's, to me, hearing that story, that's like the actual manifestation of the idea that nature is God's second book to reveal the love of Jesus that's to good. us. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about like God's imagination and you look at some of these ridiculous animals that are created and you understand that God created these animals and it's like, why in the world would anyone create that ugly thing or that ridiculous looking thing? Or when you look at the stars and the galaxies and how, you know, just the imagery that comes together when we look at all of the things that came out of God's imagination and then it feels like we want to like restrict Mm. what can be you know, sanctified imagination and put these constraints on how we can live out that part of who we are and what's acceptable as a Christian in, in, yeah, just as a Christian, not even in church, but just as a Christian, what's acceptable for us to engage in, in terms of how we connect to God through that creativity. Yeah. I think we, we limit life. Like we limit life itself. You know, I, I remember learning in drawing class my freshman year of college that every kid, and you probably heard this before, I don't know, maybe, but every kid is born with the ability to draw. Like, that's a fact. But they grow out of their confidence in that because of insecurity. Mm-hmm. I used to draw some ridiculously cool. I think they were cool. If I saw them today, I probably would think yeah. they were as cool. But just cool drawings in like third and fourth grade. But now, like, I can't even, 
you know, just huge mm-hmm. elaborate drawings of worlds and everything. And, and now it's like, I can't even, yeah, I can't, can't do that at all. Like, yeah. That's you, just, I mean, you'd ask a kid, draw me a landscape and what would he draw you? Yeah. He'd draw all you all kinds the, of stuff. <laughs> well, well, he'd draw you the line. Yeah. Right. With the, with the house and the little sun on the corner. Almost every kid does the same thing. And what I learned was they do that because it is it is their understanding of reflecting reality at the moment. So as they're older and they keep drawing pictures, to them, it's their perception of what reality looks like. And they haven't been able to replicate it exactly, but they're pretty close. But the moment someone says, that doesn't look like the reality that you think it looks like, is when they choose to start putting it away. And so what I what I think is really interesting is that, man, everybody is born with the gift of kind of putting, bringing to life the reality in which they perceive, if that makes sense. But the moment someone says, well, actually, you're not really good at bringing to life the reality with which you think you're actually bring into life if that makes sense is the moment they choose to step away from that and, the, and to think of that in a spiritual sense man it's like the moment people say ah i don't i don't think you're as good as you think you are is when we start saying maybe or that doesn't conform to the standards of good yeah you know i yeah. love abstract art right and i have a friend that's just an amazing artist and does abstracts and um, but, but she has people that tell her like, you should paint prettier pictures and then people might be more into your stuff. And she's like, got this whole career. She's very successful. Her yeah. art is amazing. And then there's people that come along and be like, you should do better art. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> what? And that's what we tell to our kids. We're like, you know, it's like, okay, it's time to stop being a kid. It's time to go to school. It's time to learn what you're supposed to learn. If you haven't learned it the right way, then you're wrong. And we just start crushing that mm-hmm. out of of kids as they grow up and then it kind of kills that creative imaginative that play aspect uh of how we see the world yeah until it's like gone so aside from all this you also do some hip-hop and i'm a big fan of hip-hop yeah and (laughs) so i listened to a couple of you've only got two videos up on youtube right now so far yeah yeah so as far as rap goes right yeah yeah. you got some other covers of like worship songs or whatever yeah so You know, there's been other other episodes where I've had these conversations, but we'll have it because I think it's it's interesting to me, and that's what matters. Um, man, I feel well. Just tell me about what is your connection to hip hop, and f- through your through your Christian experience, through your spiritual experience, why is hip hop a medium that's important to you? Yeah. So I mean, think about kind of what I said at the beginning: urban culture. I grew up with uncles who were huge into like the sneaker world and uh, the big, the sneaker world at the time. And I mean, you're talking about the nineties was Jordan's. And for those who don't know what sneakers are, we're talking about shoes. Yeah. We're talking about shoes. Not, (laughs) yeah. So yeah, man, you're talking about Jordan's were coming out and uh, taking over the game. Um, And related to that culture was hip hop. You know, you got uh, city people, destroying um in a good way right you know taking over the music world um you know so when you think new york you're thinking nas you're thinking biggie you're thinking um de la soul you know um 
when you think LA, you know, you were getting stuff from Easy E, Dr. Dre. Um, not that I listen to those guys anymore, but yeah, Tupac. Yeah, Tupac. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Texas, uh, you had a whole different world down Completely here. Completely different style yeah. in Texas. Um, especially when, you know, when Paul Wall started taking over, but that was like later on. Um anyways, um, yeah, man, I think um seeing my uncles kind of in that world definitely definitely got me doing that because it was this thing of like monkey see monkey do you know i wanted to be like them um i was into basketball so i wanted to wear the jordans i wanted to have the nikes um but if you wore the jordans they had the nikes then you had to listen to the music too um at least that's kind of that's kind of what got me into that you know I don't know if that answered that part of that question. Yeah, yeah, well, but I mean, so like, so it's, so that's part of the culture, right? Right. And so <clears throat> there's this whole group of people that that's how they see the world. And I think it's interesting when you talk about that, that each little area, um, especially when you get into that, that early mid nineties, when you got NWA and you got, you got Biggie and Nas on the East coast, you start to see this. I mean, even before that and what, what hip hop, or, you know, rap as we know it grew out of, um, there was already styles to both coasts. Mm -hmm. But then as it grew, each part of the country, you know, you got Midwest style with Nelly and and those guys and then, you know, Detroit and all these different areas express their culture through hip hop in different ways. And it all sounds very, very different. You know, you know, like you look at um, Outkast and, you know, kind of that Atlanta sound and then the cash money crew, you know, they were a completely Mm -hmm. different style, all representing their culture where they were at. And so when you talk about trying to reach these urban cultures, hip hop, I mean, I think that hip hop has to be, I mean, I'm obviously not, you know, I'm a white guy and growing up, (laughs) it was the same for me, right? I was playing basketball, I was wearing the Jordans. And so, you know, hip hop was important to me. I always felt awkward because I was a white guy listening to outcast and tupac yeah. and dre and <clears throat> and so i always felt uncomfortable with it and i think that that the culture has changed where it's a little more welcoming but now as a christian and looking for creative communication of the gospel hip-hop has something really unique to it that i don't even think like you know there's some worship songs out there that'll just you know take you away just really connect yeah. you deeply but where hip hop can take you is a completely different place, right? And <clears throat> so I think it's really important to kind of keep that connection. When so when you're doing hip hop, when you're thinking about that from a Christian perspective, like how do you make those connections? What are you trying to do when you're when you're writing your rhymes and 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 putting these freestyles together that you're putting on? Like what are you thinking about and what are you trying to communicate and how are you leveraging hip hop to be able to communicate the gospel? Yeah. So um, I think it's it's often, at least when I've been writing, you know, I've only got the two videos, but I've been writing for a while now, just like, you know, on my own, um, listening to beats, doing freestyles, you know. Um, but when I do it, it's kind of like just an outflow of who I am. Um, and I think you ask any rapper, you know, he'll reply the same thing. It's like, what I write 
is my reality. <laughs> you know, um, you watch interviews, they'll tell you the same thing. But yeah, man, I think in approach to the Christian world, I think my approach has been less, let me write so that I can target, you know, or it, it's not so much, hey, let me write so that I can um, prove so-and-so wrong. But it's more like, hey, let me talk about what I'm believing at the moment. Um, because being real um, is not only important to me, but I think it's also important to the hip-hop culture. Like, you're real about what you rap about. You know, the moment you start rapping about something fake, it's like, nah, man. You know? But, yeah, as far as Christianity goes, because it's something I'm confident in and, and because I'm firm in what I believe, then, you know, there's a line in one of the songs that I wrote that's like, just having fun while I'm living life blameless, ready to speak the truth to a generation aimless. Like, I wouldn't have said that blameless part a few years ago, but now I'm able to write, yeah, I'm just having fun, but while I'm living life blameless. Like, so now people can hear that and be like, well, what is he saying? What does he mean by, it? you know? But it's it's the reality which I'm living in, and it's like fun. So, um, yeah, man, I think it's it's more of letting it be an outflow of who I am versus trying to write something that I want to become, if that makes sense. But I think it also depends on, you know, what the project is and what you're talking about, you know? So, um, you know, if I'm talking about the struggle, then I probably won't, um, then I'll, then I'll paint the picture differently, you know? So, um, I think that's the beauty about hip hop too, is you tell stories, you know, and that's something that it brings to the worship culture, um, that normal worship songs can't do. Um, you know, it's a story, it's, um, it's a certain vibe, you know, there's, there's songs that can bring you just like in a worship song, um, it can bring you high or it can bring you to like this serious place where you're just like meditating man hip hop can can do that but like take you even further because of the story that you're painting you know um i remember as a kid listening to like early lecrae songs and uh lecrae was big on painting the picture of what it was to be a kid who had uncles who were um in gangs and in violence but how he wanted to escape all that um which I think is big to worship, but um, you can't you can't do that in any other genre. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, I uh, being a big hip hop fan, I haven't come across any churches that really use hip hop as a very significant portion of church. I don't know, maybe you have in your travels come across that, but in your thoughts as you're thinking about you know, creating the worship experiences that you create week in and week out. Um, do you see a place for hip hop in the worship service? And what does that look like? Have you ever, have you ever plugged it in and, mm -hmm. and let it play? Like, what is that? What do you think about that? Where do you, where do you see this connecting or does it connect? Yeah. So I think it definitely connects. Uh, there's been a few churches that um, do it. And so basically what that looks like, at least how I've seen it done is in the middle of a worship set, all of a sudden you got this dude who comes out and then does like 
a few bars on top of the the worship song or the beat. Um, that's how I've seen it done. Some other churches have used it almost as like a poetic moment to where the moment is still, but as the words are being spoken, it allows people to kind of meditate on what it's talking about. Um, it's more of like spoken word in that. Yeah. In that sense. Okay. So uh, the only the only thing, though, that I've seen that probably does a, um, how do you say it, like, it it like it it wouldn't help the worship um is when you can't understand what the dude is saying like there's been moments where where that happens so where, no mumble rappers yeah cuz <laughs> yeah and, but here's the reason why like when you're talking about a congregational worship setting it is very important for people to know and understand what you're saying because that is why we sing the songs because we want to understand what it is that we're singing we want to declare specific things um obviously if it's an instrumental moment and it's about the feeling and the mood that's a whole different story but when you're talking about things that are being said and spoken then what you say and what is on the screen has to be really clear to people so the moment that doesn't happen is when you kind of you kind of lose the idea of what it's all about, if that makes sense. Um, but there's, yeah, man, there's been concerts that I've been to. Um, for example, I listen to Andy Minio a lot. And uh, it's hype. And if you know the lyrics, it's awesome. Um, but the most powerful moments are when you can clearly understand what he's saying and the gospel is coming through. Because um, you're just receiving it, man. It's just like anything else. You know, um, I think it definitely has its place, but when you do it right, um, it's where it has the most benefit to people. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, man, I think we got everything we were setting out to get. Sounds good, bro. This has been awesome. Yeah, man. Man, it was great, great conversation. Glad we got to do this. Thanks, man. This is cool. Um, any social media you want to put out there for people to kind of connect with you, check in on what you're doing? Uh, so, I mean, just Christian Aparicio one, that's my Instagram tag. So yeah, just Christian Aparicio, my last name, A-P-A-R-I-C-I-O one, and that's it. And then you got a link to my YouTube there, which is my name again. Mm -hmm. nice. <laughs> so yeah, man. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, man. It's a good talk. Awesome, bro. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Christian. Um, I really appreciate him jumping in. Uh, I was just really thrilled to sit down and have that conversation with him. Appreciate it so much, Christian. Thank you for being on the show. If you have any graphic design work that you're needing done, head over to 42design.co. Get up with Andrew. Let him do some amazing work for you. As always, would love to get your feedback. Head over to iTunes. You can leave a rating or a review. Really appreciate that. Or leave any comments, questions, or anything else you'd like to share or tell me or um, critique me on on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram. You can find me there. Really appreciate you all. Thanks so much for listening to the West Vibe Podcast. We'll see you next week.